Blog Talk Radio. Hey, hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Zodiac Lovers, Episode 8, man. I'm your host, your partner, the Urban Guru, a.k.a. the Aquarius, uh, the ambassador of the Aquarius age for the next 2,000 years, as I like to say, man. But I'm rolling with my partner. Peace, family. It's Nikki Builder. Happy Friday. We are on the eve of the Sabbath, one of my favorite days. Um, today's subject is Scorpio. Scorpio is going to be interesting, so um, I'm looking forward to Yo. it, and I know Noble is. But before we jump into the content of our show, let us get some announcements from our sponsors, the Inner Peace Lighthouse Radio Frequency at Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, man, y'all know what to do first, man, myastrologycoach.com. Membership tab, Toel Love Fund, help people pay some bills, $13 a month. Divide that pot at the end of the month by four, man, and we just go down the list, man. Six years in the making, been doing this phenomenal, phenomenal stuff, man. So definitely um, check that out. And then Sunday, this Sunday, man, time goes up. I got a webinar um, called The Cosmic Illusion. You can get to myastrologycoach.com, click on the events tab. You know what I mean? It's called the Cosmic Illusion. Um, you know, as time goes up, that's one of those things that's going to be talked about. Um, you know, that's really dope too, man, because, you know, you got to understand where that whole concept come from. You know what I mean? And, you know, a basic search, you will find out that the whole time thing that comes from, um, it comes from the Wartime Act, right. where the United States government was at war overseas, and they was like, yo, we need to preserve energy over there on on, on the home front, so we got to shut the grid down a little early. You know what I'm saying? And um, that's how that actually came into to concept. So really when we advance the clocks up and back, it really has everything to do with um, wartime. You know what I mean? Which is interesting in itself because now time um, is very much needed in war because you have to understand everything moves off coordinates in warfare. What time are you going to be there? What time is the ammunition coming? What time is the supply coming? What time are we going to strike the target? What time are we going to rendezvous? Like time is very important. Um, but it's important for us, man, the spiritual beings, energy beings, to be able to advance our conscious within this particular portal as time will go up that day. Um, so we're just going to get into a lot of things, the cosmic illusion, man, dealing with, you know, what creates the seasons? You know what I mean? Like, do the sun get hotter and say, hey, I'm going to heat up, now I'm about to cool off, because that's not what's happening. You know what I'm saying? And it's just a lot of cool phenomenon that takes place, because when you're closest to the sun, um, quote, unquote, that's the winter time for you, so that's that that's not creating it either. So we're going to really get into um, this thing that the ancients talked about called cosmic consciousness. And so, again, you can visit the website, myastrologycoach.com, click on the events tab, click on webinars. That's this Sunday, March the 12th. Uh, let's make it happen. It's going to be dope. And most importantly, I'm going to give you um, a bomb-ass meditation to do because in this in this webinar, I'm going to show you how in astrology that we can see conflicts that's coming for a person and the conflicts you were born with, right? But all of this is based off of observation of two things being at a certain angle. So to make it simple, we talk about the obvious opposition. And so like if you were Pisces and you got, you know, Mars is in Virgo right now, 
you know what I mean, then this is one of those times where I'd be like, yo, you under a cold red alert because Mars is in opposition, Virgo is in opposition to Pisces, the, the sun sign that you would represent if you were Pisces. But there's a way to view that reality of getting outside of that um, through meditation and advanced visualization work to negate these particular forces. So I'm going to really show this thing. So, again, man, you want to sign up for this. This is the Cosmic Illusion webinar, um, myastrologycoach.com. Just click on events. That's there. And then, you know, lad, man, next week we in Vegas. You know what I mean? Not this weekend coming, but the next weekend we are in Vegas, Saturday the 18th. If you want to fence about it and you think you want to and you can do it, do it, man, because, like, one thing that we, we always see, and uh, we just posted a testimonial of this, uh, what was this, yesterday I think it was, that, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a lady was on the fence and she joined. As soon as she joined, she checked her mailbox. She got a check for 1200 And that check comes from her, you know, comes from her people, her, her, her spouse, and they going through some tremendous ups and downs where they ain't living together. And he had already told her, I ain't giving you jack. But, you know, you, you may think that, you know, well, he was going to give it to her anyway. But we got so many, you know, testimonials that show how this phenomenal this phenomenon works um, that you just want to get off the fence and be in Vegas if you can make Vegas because it's really an investment, you know what I mean? And that's one thing that I really love with this work is um, I love to see when it benefits others and it, and it pays off for them, particularly if I can make it pay off uh, on a monetary level, although I know some people are focusing on emotional things and other sentimental things of value, which is fine. Um, but since you're paying money over here, I like to reciprocate that plus some and put money in your pocket. That's why I like working with the, the Nikki builders of the world that, that I can say, you know what, Nick, you're you, you great at this. Um, let's create this because this is, you know, this will help you out. And you start to make some money in the long run, you know what I'm saying? So check us out, man. We in Vegas. It's, it's, um, it's on the site, myastrologycoach.com. Just click on the events tab. You will see it, man. And um, that's it for me, Nick. Okay. Uh, family, as always, y'all can catch me on YouTube. Matter of fact, I started uploading um, a video earlier this week, and I was just having all kind of trouble with doing that. I'm going to make sure that I, I – I, circle back around to that and get that uploaded today. I haven't um, uploaded any new content in a while, um, but I promise that I will be making a habit of doing so in the very near future. In the meantime, check me out over there at YouTube, Nikki Builder. Y'all can also see me doing my day job. Um, as I always say, I make clothes for the woman who makes her own rules. So please be sure to go and check out my online shop at Big Cartel. That is Nikki D. Nova Collection, Nikki with one K. Nikki D. Nova Collection dot Big Cartel dot com. And that's it for my announcements. You ready to jump into this show now? Ooh, I'm following your lead, man. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> So we dealing with Scorpio today, family. Scorpio, let's let's just get some of these key terms and, and basic concepts out of the way. Scorpio is the eighth sign of the zodiac, um, which means it also rules the eighth house of the zodiac. Uh, Scorpio is a fixed water sign. It is ruled uh, by Pluto, um, and sometimes it's also associated with the planet Mars. Um, and that becomes really interesting when you look at uh, 
some of the the the, the terms associated with uh, these planets. And as Noble and I have, um, you know, discussed the the previous seven signs, we talked earlier. It must have been in Cancer about this concept especially from the the Kabbalistic perspective, that the water signs are the negative signs of the zodiac. So when we look at the fact that Scorpio is associated with um, not only Mars but also with Pluto, and you look up the the concepts that are associated with Pluto, Pluto is associated with extremes, death, hidden forces, annihilation, that's beautiful, baby. Um, but but more importantly, transformation. So as I was thinking about this concept of like, damn, Scorpio is just associated with a lot of negativity. Um, I, I as I was pondering that, that became a really interesting concept for me. Um, and it was also a confirmation of something that I said um, in one of the previous shows, which deals with this concept of tacoon. I think I mentioned it last week. Um, but but in talking about the concept of tacoon, tacoon being um, the potentially negative karma that we all come here with. And I'm always talking about how if we start looking at that natal chart, we'll find out what some of the challenges are that we were sent here to work out, the challenges we were sent here to overcome. And so when we think about this concept of tacoon, we think about this concept of innate challenges that we all come here with. Um, One of the things that I said is that the creator, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, is more impressed with situations, people, beings who have a greater tacoon to overcome than a person who has a smaller tacoon. Like it's like, yeah, okay, good for you, you got over that small hurdle, but I and and when we think about it from the perspective of sports, we're all more impressed with the underdog, with the person who has the greater obstacle to overcome. So as I was looking at Scorpio and all of these really negative associations, it made perfect sense to me that Scorpio would also be associated with transformation. So when we look at some of the symbols or the glyphs that are associated with Scorpio, Um, What comes up? Obviously the scorpion, right? The eagle and also the phoenix that rises from the ashes. So, of course, transformation is inherently a part of this conversation. Um, Some of the medical um, or body parts associated with Scorpio would be the genitals, the bladder, the bowels. As Noble and I, or as Noble mentioned, excuse me, um, in one of the previous shows, in talking about um, the negative signs of the zodiac, i.e., the water signs, um, they're in from the the Kabbalah perspective, they're associated with the excretory system, right? And so, you know, when we think about like garbage and excrement and those types of things, you know, typically we think, ugh, bad, yucky. However, from a more holistic perspective, those things are actually good. The excretory system is actually a good thing because if we didn't have it, then trash and bile and all of this negative stuff would very quickly build up in our bodies and, and eventually kill us. So this is a really interesting exchange that's going on here. Um do, 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 do. 
so I talked about the excretory system. Um, I talked about also from a Kabbalah perspective. Um, typically, when you look at um, medical astrological associations, sort of from a Western perspective, um, they're very different than the medical associations that Kabbalah tends to make. So Kabbalah associates Scorpio with the spleen. And the spleen is actually um, a really interesting organ because it has multiple different functions. Um, it deals with our immunity. It also deals with, like, filtering the blood for the purpose of immunity. It deals with your white blood cells, your red blood cells. And actually, it's this small little organ that has, like, a ton of different functions and is very important to um, the body. So keywords for Scorpio. Today we're going to be dealing with, uh, like I said before, transformation, which I think is, is the most important term to associate with Scorpio. Um, but then also within that context, today we're going to be talking about sexuality. Today we'll be dealing with um, regeneration, cellular regeneration to be more specific, um, as well as Scorpio deals with death. Um, so I want to start out kind of dealing with um, death and regeneration um, because for me those terms are really associated with this, with this concept of transformation. Um, so let's be clear about this fact. All death is transformation, right? Whether we're talking about death from the um, from a from a spiritual context, whether we're talking about it in a physical context, all death is transformation because we understand that energy does not die. So when a person, when when your physical body dies, that is not the implication for your spirit. That's not the implication for the energy uh, that animates your body, right? So more um, advanced or sophisticated individuals may refer to to death for that reason as transitioning, you know, that person moved on or passed on to another dimension and so forth because there's this understanding that death is transformation. Energy does not die. It cannot be destroyed. It can only be transformed or transmuted. So this is a very important um, concept to understand. Uh, one of the other things that uh, Scorpio also deals with is um, other people's money. Why would Scorpio be dealing with inheritance and other people's money? Well, because when we're talk when we're talking about death and people dying, typically people have something to pass on. Now, whether or not that thing is wealth or poverty is a whole other other conversation. But in death, we always have things to pass on. We may, some some people have a little to pass on. Some people have a lot to pass on. But there's always something to be passed down to the next generation. All interesting concepts. Um, so as I mentioned before, um, Scorpio being a water sign and Kabbalah associating um, water signs um, with being sort of the negative signs of the zodiac. So I got to thinking, I'm like, damn, why do why do water signs got to be the negative signs, though, right? Well, what do they all have in common? Water signs are typically associated with emotions, right? 
So as I began to think about that concept, I'm like, damn, I could totally see why the concept of emotions can actually be negative. Um, And I want to tie that into a conversation that Jew was having on Facebook earlier in the week about this whole, uh, what's this dude's name, Ben Carson? Is it Ben Carson Noble? Yeah. Yeah, So everybody Uh is, like, up in arms about Ben Carson and how dare he, you know, take our – Slavery from us and, and, and <laughs> you know, and manipulated into another perspective. And so, as I was thinking about this concept of emotions, that's when it occurred to me. I'm like, yeah, negative emotions, and and most of us tend to equate emotions with negativity. So negative emotions can be very dangerous because they have the power to trap us. Why do they why do they trap us? Because typically negative emotions feed the ego. Now, why do I say typically we have a, a negative association with emotions? Most people tend to think, you know, well, my emotions got the best of me. My my emotions are responsible for getting me in trouble, right? And then uh, Matter of fact, I was having a conversation earlier this week with a Scorpio friend of mine, and we were talking about this concept of vulnerability, a willingness to be vulnerable in this life, right? And you look around, you look around on social media, you have conversations with just about any anybody, you look around and see what's going on on TV, Typically, there's this tendency in humanity to shut down our emotions because we say emotions are bad. When I'm vulnerable, when I open myself up to people, I always find myself getting into trouble. Somebody takes advantage of me, somebody uses uses it against me, so on and so forth. So typically in our society, there's this very negative connotation that deals with emotions. The sad thing is, We haven't figured out how to transmute our emotions. We haven't figured out the the positive side of our emotions. But if you deal with Minister Jew, you deal with the priesthood, then you have an understanding that emotions, right, motion, it is actually a vehicle. Where that vehicle is driving you to, that's, that's the question, right? But we can, if when we mature, when we deepen into our spirituality, we come to an understanding that emotions are not only necessary, but they can actually be very positive. Emotions can be used to take us to positive places. They are actually fuel. The problem comes in with the fact that many of us have not learned how to use the positive aspect of our emotions. Um so I talked about the ego, I talked about emotions, I talked about power. Um, I got a few other notes, but I think this will be a good time for me to pass the mic over to Noble. Noble, what you got for us on that? Scorpio. I got some other notes over here. I'm going to go in on the sexuality part of it. But but I don't want to be a mic hog today. No, 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 no. You can ram. I mean, feel free. Go ahead because you know I've been debating really with this. I'm like, oh man. Um, you know, Scorpio is is perhaps the deepest sign of the zodiac. I have to give them that. Um, this is an area of space. Um, and if you look in your chart, even though if you're not a Scorpio. Um, I always strongly recommend if you 
you can go to astro.com and put your birthday in. It's, it's a free account. And just start looking and start educating yourself. Um, and house number eight, this is the scorpion house. So although you may not be a Scorpio, you could have been born around one, two, in the in the in the early afternoon, and that time puts energy in the eighth house. So therefore, you will start to displace some scorpion characteristics characteristics based off the time that you were born. So it's important to really understand and just look at a basic birth chart to see if you have any energy in the eighth house. Uh, this house is deep. Um, it deals with, like Nick said, you know, sex. It deals with um, joint resources. How do you combine your energies together? We're talking about the evolution from Libra. Libra was the marriage, the contract, the partnership. And then immediately after the marriage, the contract, the partnership, the Scorpio, the sex. Now, this is important to understand because um, there's a science in why women should not have sex until they're married because um, you will start to create cycles um, that will go against each other. So if you look at it in a sense like uh, I, I remember, I'll never forget this, man. I remember a guy got married, and, um, and God, Jesus Christ, this was like the worst relationship I've ever seen. I've never seen so much turmoil in a relationship in my life. And um, he got married, um, and it'd be so funny because they, they, they get advice from you, but then when it comes to that, they'll make a move and don't seek your advice on it. And, and, and you know, the, you know, cause you know, it's, it's matters of love and we get blind in this area, rightfully so. And, and, um, but he got married six months after they had got together. Now, if you know the basic wall clock formula, like that, I like to paint, they got together at 12 o'clock, but then they got married at six o'clock. And this is a point of opposition. Now, opposition usually denotes conflict because it's two things that's opposing. So just put the sexual contact at 12, but then put the marriage at, at 6. So what's happening is the marriage is now in opposition to the sexual contact. You see what I'm saying? And so these days, like birthdays and anniversaries and things that we all celebrate, right, these things take on life cycles of their own. They're very intelligent. Space is very, very, very intelligent. In fact, in the webinar, I'm going to show you just one death, and I'm going to show you Trayvon Martin's death and how space is intelligent. Because, again, I'm just going to show – just I just got to show you, man. It's somehow space is registering and remembering spatial um, – planetary positions of where things were when you were born because when you look at your birth chart that's all that you're really looking at mars was here sun was here and so forth and so forth but i promise you when these bodies because they're still moving in space they never stop moving we just take a, a picture of them at the time of your birth when these energies get in opposition or in the exact same place where something was it triggers an event in your life, right? And me and Nick was having this conversation last night. It was like, yo, you know, you know, this Venus retrograde has a tendency to bring 
old lovers back into your life. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, it's the stupidest, most retardedest thing in the world because the only thing that is technically happening on a factual level is the planet Venus and Earth are in a perfect alignment with each other as we look at the sun. So if we have some pretty cool glasses and we can just darken out the sun, we'll see a dot right there, uh, which will be Venus. So Venus is passing in between us and the sun. So this planetary passing, for some reason, registers in our reality as a old lover getting a sig- signal to say, hey, let me reach out to my old flame at, during this particular time. Retarded, just stupid, but hey, it, it's just the way it is in this reality, right? So it's as if spatial um, space itself, these spatial imprints have a working memory of who you are, and I tell you it does because on the most mundane level, you celebrate it on your birthday. You want to be recognized on your birthday, and, you know, for the women, they may pin a dollar on their shirt and go out and let everybody know, hey, it's my birthday type of thing. But technically, you're only celebrating one complete revolution of the earth around the sun. It's like the earth was exactly right here in space. And you know what I mean? So, if, again, if we go to a circle, and we put within the circle January the 1st all the way to December 31st on a circle, then you're technically just, you know, responding and celebrating uh, an astronomical reference from the Earth to the sun. Now, this is really interesting because with Scorpio, um, things get deep because this is the true alchemical wedding. This is where you, you two come together through the sacred act of sex right here. All right. So, you know, without me really giving, I'm, I'm gonna tell y'all something. And for couples and anybody that's just you know who can vibe with it, you can vibe with it. The higher echelon of the sex thing is for, um, it's for y'all. Y'all, the Western world needs to come into more of a, a contact of tantra or the Taoist arts. A sacred spirituality. I, I just got to say it. There's no way for me to talk about this subject and not get into it. My my main concern was that we had tried to get straight to this particular point without necessarily doing the emotional work, the communication, and understanding consciousness. However, Tantra itself, and let me be very clear, Tantra simply means to expand. So it's a philosophy that's no different than yoga, for real, for real, it just happens to be within that philosophy. It embraces the vehicle of sex. In the Western world, since we just saw the sex and the Kama Sutra books and stuff, we just automatically equate Tantra with sex. And that's fine, but I want to I wanna make a clear distinction that the truth of the matter is it's really a whole philosophical system that deals with you understanding the karma, that deals with you understanding your thoughts, that deals with emotions, and that deals with the various other things that's really more in the Sagittarian plane of, uh, of, of the conversation, but it's all about the higher aspect of your own consciousness. But in relationships, we got to get to the point where we're using this this, this sex as a uh, divine vehicle because it is some magnificent things that is taking place within this particular time. And so um, the ancients teach that at the time of sex, and we talked about it for a quick second last week, at the time of sex, you will have... Um, there's a vortex that's opening, and that makes sense because your your, your energy field is high and, and, and you know, you're open. Um, 
but at the time that a male ejaculates, um, there's an opening on top of his head um, that the spirit of the child comes and enters in at that particular point and rides his spine. So on an energetic level, so he can really activate that, that sperm to get to that particular point called the egg, the real rainbow. In the real pot of gold in the rainbow is the egg, uh, the woman. Um, so it is noted that the state of the man's thoughts of where he has been um, as well, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but the, the quality of his thoughts at the time of his ejaculation, coupled with the emotional state of the woman for that period of time of impregnation, starts to help imprint the quality of the soul of the child. And I say help imprint because each soul has its own its own mission, per se. Um, but obviously when you look like your mama, act like your daddy, and so forth, you still have some of these characteristics characteristics of the, of the parents that you that you chose as an individual soul. But it gets deep here because this, this Scorpio thing deals with the hidden knowledge of things, right? This is quote-unquote metaphysics and what they will call occult information, hidden information. So when you get into this particular realm of science, you actually start to study the science that says, what is the science of birth? Because this is the sign of, you know, rebirth and, and sex. So this is the sign. This is this is the science of birth. The science of birth, you start to get into this particular science where you can go up into the future 10 months from this particular day and say, hey, well, you know, if you get pregnant tonight, it's likely you can have a child here and you fix your consciousness to having this particular child here. Then once you understand the basic blueprint of the heavens and say, well, this is what the energy will look like and the birth chart of the child is to be born here, you start to get an idea of the quality of the soul that is to come. But let's really reverse that you really start to get an idea of the child of the soul that you purposely want to bring into this reality now versus you having sex and you don't even know if you're pregnant because it wasn't the intention to get pregnant, and then you just happen to only know because your period is late, and then therefore you you know you take the test and then you say, oh, guess what, I'm pregnant, and it was nobody's conscious intention, nor do we know the quality of the soul that is uh, that have decided to come through. You can know this now with this particular science, and this is what we got to get to: is purposely giving birth to Christ-like children. So, um, you know, if you want to have a someone that's balanced in your life, and you would just love—not to be selfish, but to kind of be selfish to a degree. You know what I mean? Because it's some of my my children, I'd be like, "Nigga, you can on my nerve, <laughs> straight up." <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, it just is what it is. You know my nerve, because I wasn't I wasn't consciously creating you guys. You know what I mean? And so I, I got to keep it a buck. I know from experience, from my own ignorance, right? And um, and see, this is what I'm saying about this thing too, because I got a son that has um, sickle cell, right? Because his mom, she she's from Thailand, and she got a certain they got a certain um, deficiency in their blood. Um, certain form of sickle cell trait, and and I got trait, and my parents never told me I had trait. So mm. what happens is when two sickle cell trait people get together, they have a child nine times out of ten that has sickle cell. All right, and this is when the cell takes on the form of a sickle, and 
and, and like a pickle, and it, it starts to, you know, create problems, man, pain and stuff. Like T-Boz got it and stuff, right? <clears throat> because you're not paying attention to sex is really a science. Love is really a science. How can it not be when you're, you know, you're doing scientific things that, that procreate? So this is the realm where we're really supposed to get into the in-depth, because Scorpio is in-depth, the in-depth knowledge of procreation and, and sexual rejuvenation, which is, which, is, which is very powerful because the only thing you have to do is um, direct your mind in the sexual act of having the agreement to do anything. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't want to start giving out no formulas because, again, that's what I mean by sometimes we be trying things and doing things where we still got some, you know, we got some other things that we need to clean up and you bring in some type of garbage and baggage inside of these particular unions. But on the health side, you know, you definitely want to, you know, you want to concentrate on certain things, and there's just there, there, there's some things that I get into in a in, as we advance in our inner peace class. Because everybody that came into my inner peace class, I tell them this is really cosmic tantric yoga, um, simply understanding the cosmic aspect of reality that we live within Earth, Sun, Moon, and these things of this nature. Tantra means to expand, but yoga simply means to unite. So how do we expand and unite with this particular cosmic force that's ultimately inside of us? And then if those of us that are practicing a, more of a sexual path and you're active, how to marry these two together, you see what I'm saying, to really expand the will. Now, my last point um, is uh, a lot of times, you know, we hear this, the woman is the vessel, she receives, she receives, she receives, and the man, he's the light, he gives, he gives, he gives, and he sticks his penis in the vagina, and it looks like he's giving because he'll give her sperm, which is right. But you have to understand that if if, if you if men you receive females energy, because if that's the case you would never have a venereal disease, my dude, never. Mm-hmm. So that means if a woman has something going on, and you stick your fishing pole in there and you come out feeling some type of way, then that means you received her energy. Mm-hmm. See, now I want to talk about sexual dissonance for a quick second, because sexual dissonance I'm going to define as when you have sex with someone and there's some type of irritation, but there's absolutely this, this, there's no disease though. There's no STD, but there is a vibrational dissonance, a vibrational irritation that takes place because the two of you alchemically did not match one another. And I know countless of men who be like, yo, I experienced that before. I'm like, yeah, because it's, 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 it's really a science of understanding that. You see what I'm saying? And so as men that's listening, you got to really understand that you receive energy from a woman. Just don't think just because you're a man, you give, give, give. And I think the example that I gave is a perfect example that shows you that you receive. And then last week I had kind of hinted towards, um, it talks about how a woman who's a virgin has the virgin soul of the creator, right? She has the virgin soul of the creator. It's the, the pure soul of the creator. No man has entered her, right? So she pretty much got God's spirit and not necessarily an individual spirit. So they were saying part of the mystery that they were alluding to in the Bible with, with Adam and Eve and Eve coming from his rib was the fact that um, it was the fact that when man 
enters the woman, she takes on, and I'm talking about her first person, the first man she has sex with, she starts to take on the quality of his soul. So to a degree, he impregnates her individual soul versus, you know what I'm saying, because before that, she's a virgin, and she's, she's the Holy Mary. You know what I'm saying? She's she's that. But then when she comes into this, this to this act that's supposed to be of divinity, she takes on this energy. So then it becomes very important for women to recognize the quality of men um, that you that you deal with. And then the teaching further elaborates and says that if this the first man was of a lesser vibration, one, first of all, first man is always going to set the tone. And this is just something for y'all to think about and look at and see if it's true at all. But the first man is going to set the tone for the rest of the men that you attract, right? Um, and energetically, if his, if these other men that you have sex with are not stronger than, than his imprint, then his imprint will fight off and, and ward off that man's energy, um, who is your current man to a degree. So, you know, you know, this thing gets really, really, really deep because if you understand the nature of man's, his own sperm competes with each other to get to the goal. And they both coming out of the same loin. You see what I'm saying? So let alone on the energetic level where there's other people or other energies there, man still has to compete on a vibrational level because you have cellular memory. And this is why, and men do this too, and, I, and, again, this is true for men as well um, because men take on women's energy, and I know that to be a fact. So this thing goes both ways, but it becomes more of a vibrational thing, obviously, and this is why you would start to reminisce, and you would like, well, damn, you know, he hit the G-spot, and he got the good D, and, yeah, oh, yeah, she got that bomb P, you know. We will start reminiscing and doing these comparisons um, after the fact that you've just been with somebody or something or you don't like who you've been with because if they're a memory within your brain, within the hippocampus in your brain, they're also a memory to the organs in which you engage with called your sexual organs. So you have cellular memories that are taking place in the sexual organs um, from these people, you see what I'm saying, uh, from the past. So I'll, 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 I'll chill it right there and um for my part one. Okay. I'm 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 sitting with this concept of um for women that our first sexual sexual partner um sets the tone for the rest of our sexual lives. I'm not gonna even give an opinion on that yet. I'm gonna let that sit for a minute. Um but I, I do appreciate um this conversation about cellular memory and you also noble being sure to tie it back to the fact that men also have sexual memory um and and it's funny enough i say this every single week no matter what the subject is no matter what sign i always find the mirror in my life in my in my personal life dealing with whatever the concept or whatever the topic is for the week um and so um, and coincidentally, a lot of this stuff that we're we're talking about today, a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing Noble talk about, I didn't already had this conversation earlier in the week. <laughs> but I was having the conversation um, with a friend earlier in the week about this concept of, and, and, and he's a Scorpio. And so we were talking about this concept of sexuality. We were talking about um, 
this difference between men and women. And, you know, one of the things that I had to warn him about was, you know, don't get caught up in, you know, don't get caught up in this mundane world that we live in, this very dualistic world that says men are this way, women are that way. There's this clear separation between the two, and they don't mix because that is so totally not true. Um, and so, like Noble said earlier, and our brilliant, wonderful brother, Minister Jew, who came on the show last week or the week before and came in and reminded us, a lot of this conversation, we you know, we, we get into men, we get into women, but we got to remember that we are all uh, made up in different combinations of the same things. Women have testosterone, just like men have testosterone. Do we have as much testosterone? No, we don't. Um, so the so we, we're we're different concoctions of all the same elements. Um, and so as I was talking to my friend earlier in the week, he was saying, you know, I'm aware that um, women respond um, and can get like super clingy when a man got you know good sex. And and he was like, you know, but I I, but I'm different because I'm a man, right? And I'm like, mm. so he kept talking a little bit more, and and eventually got to the conclusion that, yeah, there has been a time in my life where I was heavily impacted and influenced by a woman that I was dealing with, and you know, sex was a big part of it, and that had a big heavy impact on the decisions I was making, how I was functioning, and he was like, you know, we had gotten into an argument one time, and shit, that just affected my entire mood, it affected my job, it affected everything, I could, I could barely sleep, I couldn't work, I couldn't do all of this stuff, because I was being influenced and affected by this woman. I'm sorry, y'all, hold on just a second. Yes, darling. Not right now. I'm on the radio. Remember, the agreement was you have to be quiet while I'm doing this. Excuse me. Thank you all for your patience. Um, and so, yeah, you know, like Noble said, a man can also be influenced by good sex from a woman. Men are also uh, receptive to the energy of women. If they were not, they wouldn't have STDs. So this is this is a fact that we got to get really, really clear about. Um, I also like what you said, Noble, about... Um, in, in talking about um, this concept of the virgin, right? And I find it very interesting, and I think it makes a little bit of a point to what we were talking about last week, and, and I made the statement, do you disagree with me? And that's all right, we can agree to disagree. But there's this concept that, and, and, and Kabbalah talks about it extensively, that women are here to help with the correction of men. So there's this implication that, Femininity, womanhood, is innately divine in and of itself. So then I hear Noble mention how there's this this association with um, the female version <laughs> to um, the spirit of God. She's she, she's not been touched, right? And so, and coincidentally, that also relates to the same conversation that we were having about Virgo, Virgo being the season that the Hebrew New Year starts because we're dealing with the divine aspect, the divine concept of femininity. So this is a concept that we gotta we gotta get into our heads because I, I think our society, especially this very western, very patriarchal 
patriarchal dominant society can really delude us into thinking that, you know, uh, sexuality is something that um, is is empowering for, for men. And because of that, um, you know, there's this weird kind of connotation in our society that men get to dictate the sexuality of women. But I, I think that's a result of the, the delusion in our society. We got to get really clear. Man is man is divine as much as woman is divine and vice versa. Um, and if we can mature ourselves enough into these understandings, um, I think we'll, we'll dissolve ourselves of a lot of the, the trauma and, and confusion that we tend to experience in our society. Um, I wanted to, oh, so I was talking about this concept of the virgin, so this is probably a good place for me to transition into. Um, I was I was doing some thinking um, just about this concept of sexuality. And if, if we, if we're honest with ourselves and we look at sexuality, um, especially in the modern age, right, we're starting to transition now, and, and I'm talking about sexuality because we're talking about Scorpio. Scorpio deals very heavily with sexuality. Um, and so especially now in our modern age, we're starting to see women become liberated to an extent um, in this conversation about sexuality. Um, so what what became very clear to me is that there's this very distinct line, especially in regards to theology or religion, in terms of um, how femininity is viewed um, and and the divinity of such. Right. So really, that the line gets drawn in the sand between two places. Right. We've got the Abrahamic traditions, which is typically Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Now, that might be surprising for folks to hear that all three of these religious contexts get grouped under the same um, label. Like, typically, we think that especially Islam and Christianity have nothing to do with each other. That is so false. Um so typically within the Abrahamic traditions, there's this concept that um, that God is masculine, God is a patriarch, um, and then they derive their sense of um, um, law and salvation are supposed to come from this patriarchal God, right? And I think that's really interesting. Also, typically in the Abrahamic traditions, there's a very severe distinction between God and nature. So I say there's a, there's a line that gets drawn in the sand. The other side of that line typically is associated with what, what people tend to call pagan traditions. Now, what falls under the context of pagan traditions? Typically, you got these are your earth worshippers, your, your tree huggers, right? And so, what falls under that context? You, a lot of times, people associate it, associate that with um, Wicca, different forms of witchcraft, um, and other, and and definitely more ancient forms of religion, right? So now we're we're talking about this removal of the divine feminine from the concept of of religion. Right, and so I was doing my research, and I'm like, well, let me 
pull out some of my Wicca stuff, right? I was never Wiccan. I just like to research stuff and, and have an understanding of things. So there's this concept in Wicca that talks about the four modalities of femininity, right? And it, it's, it's interesting. Those four modalities are the mother, the crone, the virgin, and the bitch, okay? So each of these modalities is supposed to be a um, a representation, an archetype of how the female energy manifests itself here on the planet. So, again, I love what Noble was talking about in, in this conversation about the virgin, because typically the virgin is directly connected to the spirit of God. And I find it really interesting that, there's this great distinction, and a lot of time, and certain religions like to make this distinction between God and and the feminine forces, because there's this implication oftentimes in, in Western tradition in in religion that says that woman is negative, woman is wicked, woman is bad. She was the one who gave Adam the the, the apple to, to eat. So typically in our society, women are associated with the fall of humanity. And I think that's a, that's a really, really interesting concept, and I, I wanted to tie it into this concept of Scorpio and sexuality because typically we have the, a very similar, if not the same, perspective of sexuality in our society. Sexuality is taboo. Is you know, sexuality is bad. We're we're afraid to call our our vaginas vaginas. We've got all these euphemisms for private parts and all of these different things. I was having a conversation last week or maybe maybe two weeks ago with a friend of mine who's also a Scorpio. She's a woman and she's very religious, very Christian, and she was talking about. We were we were basically talking about this idea of sexuality and whether or not God thinks sex is good. And and I found myself totally flabbergasted by her ability to justify this very distorted idea, very distorted perception that says that God thinks that sex is bad. So but 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 when you think about it, a lot of us subscribe to this idea, right? We subscribe to this very secretly destructive self-manipulating concept. And so within that, we make certain agreements with ourselves and 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 I I would dare to argue that that this concept is more important specifically for women, but we we buy into these concepts that are totally delusional. What and delusion is just being detached from reality, and and in a sense we we become psychotic in those ways because we believe that God believes that sex is bad. Well, if God is all powerful and God created everything, why would God create sex? Why would God use sex as the medium to uh, bring more humans down onto the planet? Why would sex be the form of regeneration if God genuinely thought that sex was bad? So what they really highlighted for me was this very um, conflicted relationship that we tend to have with sexuality in, in our society. But I think that same conflict also um, – spills over 
very much into our uh, conversations about uh, 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 gender in our society. Where are you at, Noble? Mm. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, cool. Wow, man. <laughs> before you, you go, know what? before you go, may go ahead, I? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go I ahead. just, I, I forgot about this little quote here that I, that I have. So, y'all, I, I'm gonna warn y'all. I was a, um, so me in my college days, right? I, I went to college and I thought I was so smart because I, you know, I had this political science major and then my minor, I'm like, you know, African studies. But I, I was also very, very much into theology. One of the first things that really just ticked me off on this whole theology God thing, um, I went to a private university, and so a part of my my general core um, class requirements was to take an introductory level theology course. That shit blew my mind. Here I was, you know, this Baptist Christian, you know, taking a theology course for the first time and learning the history of my Christianity, and and that was that was absolutely groundbreaking for me. But um, so I had forgotten that I kind of have like my little theology books and whatnot laying around. So this week I'm like, let me go grab one of these off the shelf because we're having this conversation about um, about sexuality, and of course, and as I mentioned earlier, with the Abrahamic tradition. So one of the quotes that I pulled is this. Um, and it's talking about the Abrahamic traditions. Again, that's Ju- Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Um, <clears throat> in these Abrahamic religions, the individual God and the universe are highly separate from each other. The Abrahamic religions believe in a judging, paternal, fully external God to which the individual and nature are subordinate. One seeks salvation or transcendence not by contemplating the natural world or via philosophical speculation, but by seeking to please God, such an such as obedience with God's wishes or his laws, um, and see divine revelation as outside of self, outside of nature, and outside of custom. Christianity differs somewhat in that it includes the key tenet of salvation by grace, not through seeking to please God or by good works. Obedience for the Christian is expected as a natural response to having received salvation. This tenet is based on the Abrahamic principle of righteousness imputed by faith and only the provision of payment for sin by Jesus' sacrificial death as the promised Messiah. And I should have read that before I got into the rest of our conversation, but I wanted to make sure I I, I, I threw that out there before we finish the conversation. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Noble. No, 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 no. It's all it's all good. So let let me ask you this, Nick. Let's let's juice it up some here. Let's okay. spice it up some. Can a woman have more than one sexual partner, and this be considered non-taboo? Because you know, in this, in our culture, you a hoe. You that ain't right. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, what, what's your take on women having more than one sexual partner? Is, is this is this possible? I'm, that's a real simple answer. Yes, she can. It's a woman's prerogative. It's her damn body. It's a woman's prerogative to do so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, if that's what she wants to do, sure. I think the conflict and the trouble really comes in because, like you said, our society teaches us that for a woman to desire more than one sexual sexual partner is hoish of her, right? And mm-hmm. men 
will jump on that bag bandwagon very, very quickly. So I think the the taboo nature of this conversation really comes from a fear in women of being judged by men. But when you think about it, that's actually a really, really interesting concept, right? Because on the flip side of it, our society actually encourages men to have multiple sexual partners. As a matter of fact, masculinity in our society tends to be judged and defined by a man's sexual activity. But I think that concept gets really, really interesting when when you look at it, right, and we're not afraid to look at it. Women, we got we to gotta stop being afraid to be judged, right? And honestly, that has been that's been one of the things that has fueled me into understanding that I have got to push myself to do this particular work, right? I was talking earlier about how I tried to upload a, um, a video to my YouTube. I didn't try it several times, and it just wasn't working for whatever reason. And there was this part of me that was like, maybe you just don't need to upload nothing. And that is honestly something that I've fought within myself is this concept of making sure to utilize my voice. And and typically this work, this particular work, the teaching and, you know, the radio interviews and, and, and the building and all of this stuff, this is typically stuff that's associated with men. Men do this type of stuff. But what I recognized was that I had to let go of whatever fear I have about doing this work, whether it's, the judgment that that comes into play, whether it's sounding silly or, you know, worrying for whatever reason that I, you know, somebody might think I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, we get so wrapped up in not wanting to be judged by other people, failing to realize, like, motherfuckers half the time ain't got no reason, no business judging anybody else because they ain't got their own shit together. So we've got to be willing to remove ourselves from this fear of being judged. So to answer your question, Noble, yeah, I mean, I I think a woman can have as many damn sexual partners as she desires, yes. Um, And I didn't finish um, what I was saying about how interesting – how interesting that conversation really gets in our society because, you know, typically we say, you know, a man is going to be a man, right? A man can have as many sexual partners as he wants, but if a woman does it, then she's nasty and she's dirty because she's been touched by so many men. Well, if you think about it, what's the real implication there? The implication is that it's the one doing the touching, i.e. the man, that's actually the one that's dirty, Versus the woman, which our society, see, because our society likes to justify and manipulate shit so that it can fit into our neat little boxes. But when you really, really think about that concept, a society that says a man can have sex with as many women as he wants to and he can still be pure and clean and, 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 and upright and this whole thing, but for a woman on the on the flip side, then that's not true. Well, then the implication there is that men, the ones doing the touching, are actually the ones who are unjust. This is this is a really, really, and, and I know this is a sensitive subject for people because we've been so heavily programmed through religion, through politics, 
right? We why, why is it that we earlier this week we had what was it Women's Day or something like that, right? Why or why do we even need to have a conversation with men with politics about a woman's freedom to do what she pleases with her own body. We are having political public debates about whether or not it is right for a woman to choose to have an abortion. Now, I understand the moral implications. I understand the moral concerns of that conversation. But what this really brings me back to is this very deluded concept that that men have been programmed with to believe, to think, to accept, to expect that they then have the authority to say what is moral, what is right, what is just for another human being to do with their own bodies. That's a really interesting concept to me. Um, but then when you think about it, that makes sense. What did I just say in, the, in that quote that I, that I read, right? Um, the Abrahamic religions believe in a judging, paternal, fully external God to which the individual and nature are subordinate. So, yes, it makes total sense that men would think that women are subordinate to them. It makes total sense that men would think that they have the righteous capacity to judge what is right and just for a woman. And I'm just as much of a human being as you are. So, short answer, yes, a woman can have as many sexual partners as she likes. I got you, got you. Oh, man. Um, you know, that's interesting on the, if a woman is dirty, well, where did she get dirty from? So, what we're really saying is, well, if she got dirty, then that means she had to get dirty from a man. And I remember years ago thinking about, the origin of STDs, right? Because, I mean, I'm talking about the very origin, because in, in essence, we're like, well, woman, you, you gave it to me. Then who you who did she get it from? She got it from this dude. Mm. She she got it from Jimmy. Well, mm. Jimmy, where you get it from? Because you ain't have it yesterday, Jimmy. Well, I got it from Felicia. Felicia, where you get it from? Well, I got it from Tom. Tom, where you get it from? Well, I got it from Becky. And they keep on playing these games of back and forth, back and forth, right? And I said, well, damn, that's still never explaining the initial origin of the disease. So where does it come from in its origin? And it only led me to two places. One, it could be, quote, unquote, it could be what you would call, um, you know, somebody injects you with something. So let's just say you, you, you ingest it somehow, whether it be through vaccines, whether it be through, Genocide, whatever. Somehow, some way, it got in you as a as a as a starting point, like a virus does, right? With a cold or something, right? Or there's some type of internal disharmony that is taking place, and the body just creates it. Sort of like how your body will create cancerous cells, right? That that happens. You know what I'm saying? And then we can actually see this new phenomenon taking place with women with fibroids and stuff, even though they're non-tumorous, but they're damn near identical and whatnot. But it's just not threatening like that. So I was really pondering, and we said that that made me think of that, you know what I mean, of the actual origin points. And I know um, how the body works in the sense where we get 
um, when we get in a state of stress and dislike, the body will start to concoct, quote-unquote, disease. And, and, and this has to be true on a sexual level because disease is just disease. So it, it can manifest itself anywhere it wants to. Um, so that's, that's interesting. And, I, and when I was laughing at I think, too, is um, – I think that think that it was much wisdom heavily encoded. It was definitely coded inside of that the woman's sexual um, let's just say her her sexual participation and a man's sexual participation. I know you and I had this conversation before. Um one thing's for certain, man and woman uh, they're not the same. Anatomically, they're, they're just—they're not the same. The gender is different, right? So our functions are different, and when the functions become different, this is the beauty of the Creator for me because even to God is—is—is is not, you know, the man weighs two hundred pounds and then the woman is six foot two hundred pounds to even him out. And I think even the God is quality and quantity. And and without me going too deep in it, if anybody got any questions you want to chime in on, if you want to go back, like feel free press one. Um, the quality aspect is the woman when we look at the nature in which her uh, biological clock operates, from this egg being discharged and whatnot. And the quantitative aspect is the the sperm, the millions of sperms that man ejaculate to fertilize this one egg. And it's just a very interesting concept to watch God in this in this biological design sit back and say, out of you million, only one of y'all going to get to the goal, so have fun and compete and swim on a qualitative, you know what I mean, on a qualitative, I'm sorry, quantitative basis. But then the woman is only taking the best of the best within herself, you know what I'm saying, to say this is my golden egg right here that you must get to and that all y'all have to get to. So in God's mind, um, balance is not apples and apples. Balance is the rainbow. Apples and oranges makes up the balance. Quantity and quality makes up the perfect balance, and it's not a tit-for-tat thing meaning he does it so you can do it, she does it so you can do it. It's something that's different that's really taking place in a divine story that takes place in, you know. Um, yeah, that's it. That, that's it for me, man. And, oh, let me let me say this on, a, on another note, too, because I forgot last week. For my people that's in relationships, because these two areas of Libra and Scorpio deals with relationships, um, listen, man, it's very dope for for, for you to – when you hug one another to put your hands on your partner's kidneys, so you're facing each other and you're hugging, but the back of your hands is almost like, you know, on the back part of their back, you know, by the waistline is where the kidneys reside. So to put your bare hands on your partner's kidneys with the intention on energizing each other and just simply saying, hey, I love you because this is the gland or the organ that deals with relationship. Um, especially at sunset. I'm giving y'all some cosmic some cosmic shit that we, we, we ain't even really got into in the class. But it's my goal, you know, before I get off this particular plane of existence, to try my best to help anybody that's listening to me. But it's a fact that the cosmos is real. It's a science. The western portion of the sky called sunset that you love to be on, you know, you love to look at and it's so romantic to you, this deals with Libra. 
in 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 relationships. So the kidneys here is a is a PowerPoint, uh, a reference where both of you can um, hold each other's kidneys while embracing each other, with the simple purpose of just saying, "Hey, as the sun is setting, I'm coming to a state of balance and." I feel harmonized. I feel at peace because the magnetic field is changing where you're at when the sun is setting because your part of the earth is turning away from the sun. So, therefore, the field, you're about to, you're about to move out of solar flare interference right now. So, this, this is a portal right here, and this is why couples are magnetized to this particular point, especially if you're on the Pacific Ocean where you can see the water, you know, the water and the sun at the same time, which is another duality of Masculine energy and feminine energy, sun and ocean. And so this is an excellent point to come into balance right there with just simple heart-to-hearts, I love you, with the hands on the kidneys. And then as you progress into Scorpio, which is now the sexual organ, which also deals with the, you know, um, um, and even going for more women, learning where the prostate area is for the men, because um, we don't necessarily got to touch genitals per se, um, and 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 of course you can, but and then for men to understand the proximity of fallopian tubes areas up, up in that, and and purposely sending um, love and balance and and kissing these particular points, you know what I mean? Kissing the the, the ovaries and 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 just you know just engaging with one another on a conscious meaning, knowing you're purposely knowing what you're doing and the person that's receiving is in agreement and knowing what's going on and the person that's receiving is also telling her body the moment that uh my mate touches me i am to become energized i am to become energized and full of energy in this particular spot i am to become healed i am to become healthy in this particular spot amongst every touch you see what i'm saying and this is how your brain communicates through the nervous electrical impulses that's going to this particular spot because when you feel somebody touching you you feel that but all that is is electrical impulse that's coming from that area uh, uh, where the person is touching you going up to your brain like hey it's pressure right here this hurt oh no this feels so good you see what i'm saying so you have to horse that and direct that particular pathway of touch with your mind to tell your body what this is so it can accept that's what it is. See what I'm saying? So utilize those principles right there. But go ahead, Nikki. Beautiful. Um, no, I, and I was going to agree, uh, Noble, with, with what you said as far as, you know, it, that's an absolute fact. Man and woman have different functions. But those are facts, right? Um, and quality versus quantity, I love that. I love that statement. Um and and like Noble said, you know, this conversation really shouldn't turn into, um, you know, women feeling like, well, if a man does it, I can do it too, right? And and that is actually a concept that I very much disagree with. And I, I began to make a warning towards that ideology. I think it was back in cancer when I when I said that, you know, we're now moving potentially into um a matriarchal context, right? This we, we, we moving into a new age. We're starting to see women become empowered. We're starting to see um society to a certain extent empower women, right? Um we're we're understanding and learning more about female orgasm. Um women in general are becoming empowered in our society. And so what I said was, you know, we've got to be really careful as women 
not to say to ourselves, oh, well, we in, we, we in control now, we in charge now, I'm going to do all the shit, all the messed up shit these niggas done did, you know? And, and I'm seeing that tendency very much um, arise and be prevalent, very prevalent in our society. Noble, you remember I sent you that picture it was a, uh, it must have been it must have been like a screenshot or something like that but there's this picture of a sister who's like on maybe like Snapchat or you know I don't know one of those um applications and you can see like a little picture she's like talking to her boyfriend or something like that she's got like this holding this big ass gun like just holding oh, a gun yeah, trying yeah. to be cute like like a, <laughs> yeah. acting like a dude just acting like a dude and i don't mean any offense brothers i'm i'm just speaking to this tendency that we're starting to see amongst women and and i think where that comes from is pain i think it comes from hurt i think it comes from insecurity i mean we've got to get really clear about the fact that the the poor quality of the society that we live in, um, it has been destructive in many ways to women. And so now you see women who are becoming very calloused and, and wanting to be like men because they don't trust men and they feel like they need to adopt those characteristics and qualities in order to protect themselves. I talked about this very same, it must have been cancer where I talked about this concept. What I also said in that same conversation was we have got to trust our femininity, right? And so now that this transition is happening and, and women are becoming empowered and, 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 and we're moving into a new space in, a, in our society, the problem with that is you're not necessarily moving the virgins who've not been impacted, who've not been abused into this new new position. Typically, you're you're moving wounded women into this new position, and so now you see women, you know, wanting to be like the boys and anything you can do, I can do better, but. All of these things have a price. I talked about that book by Louise Hayes, um, You Have the Power to Heal Your Body. And she talks about now that, um, you know, we're decades into, um, you know, women being very prevalent in the workforce. With Coupled with that, you now see the rise of women contracting certain um, feminine disease that is promoted by the inherent stress that comes along with uh, being in the world and, and working corporate jobs and things of that nature. So I would absolutely agree with what you're saying. Men and women have different functions. Men are not necessarily popping up with these ailments and diseases and, and whatnot because they're not as susceptible to the stress as women are. So we, we would be very much deluded in believing that we, can't, we should do things just to prove that we can do whatever it is that men do. I think the intention is what's very important in that conversation, and we got to get really clear about that. Sisters, don't be running out here going to get you a bunch of mates just because you mad at your ex-boyfriend and you want to show him that you're desirable and worthy. You're going to find yourself in some more trauma and, and trouble because the intention is wrong. What I also wanted to bring up in this conversation is, is something that we as a society are very, very immature about, and I believe the conversation is heavily, heavily lopsided. Um, but it, 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 you are you laughing because you know where I'm going, but i got to say it. 
this conversation about polygamy. Here, this is this is my blanket statement for that conversation. As a society, we are not mature enough to even be thinking about having that conversation. But let's clear well, some shit up real quick. Well, define polygamy because and that's, you know, and that's what I'm about to do for you right now. Let's define polygamy. Polygamy is the act of a man or a woman having more than one partner. Polygyny, I'm sorry, y'all. Polygyny is the act of a man having multiple wives. Polyandry is the act of a woman having more than one husband. Rarely do we hear the distinction, especially here in the West, in America, rarely do we hear that distinction being made. Very few of us know that polygamy is a, is a, is a, is a statement about a man or a woman having multiple partners. I remember watching the history channel or one of those sciencey kind of channels and they were talking about this tradition it's it was somewhere in the middle east and y'all forgive me because i can't remember exactly where they were but there's this festival that happens annually and all of the women all of the married women in this particular society or it is is a very small uh, rural community but all of the women in that society get one free day to go and have sex with whatever man they want to go and have sex with outside of their husband. And it's and it's and the women talk about how liberating it is. The women talk about how uh how um uplifting it is for them and, and all of these positive aspects <laughs> of, you know, this is a good thing for us. Now this is, and the men even talk about, and the men are okay with it, right? Now this is a really interesting concept because when we start talking about this polygyny, polyandry thing over here in the West, niggas get real uncomfortable. But again, I'm 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 simply talking about intention here, and 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 being mature enough to have these conversations. Like I said before, I don't think we're mature enough to really even have the polygamy conversation in this society. You know, we don't we don't understand or have enough respect for uh, the conversation. Uh, you know, we always want to make everything in, into a, a competition, man versus woman and vice versa. You know, and all of these things are actually destructive because we make up a whole. And that's something that we got to get really clear about, you know, and especially now in our society with women becoming empowered and, you know, we're talking about moving into a more, you know, woman empowering society, a matriarchal society. Now there's all of this conversation with, you know, women wanting God to be a woman. And I think in and of itself, that is destructive. I had a note on here, and I said patriarchy is gender racism. And I spoke to it last week, and and here's my thinking around that concept. We love to talk about how destructive the concept of a white God is to the black community. And what I say, I spoke to it last week. 
just as damaging as that is, is equally as damaging as the concept of a solely male God has been to women. It's no wonder that, you know, women think that they need a man to make them whole and make them complete. Oh, God, I had a conversation earlier in the week with um, a former friend of mine who is, like, on some heavy Hebrew-Israelite, woe is me, black man in America, like he on some other stuff right now. And I didn't, I hadn't seen him in a minute, but then I run across him on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? Damn, somebody been in the Batcave, huh? <laughs> like, I was really, really surprised. And so he had hit, he ended up calling me, asking me about doing a sewing project with him. And his, his, inner being, his inner person, his how he comes off in the world, he, by, he's, he's like kind of one of those really insecure kind of individuals, and I always knew that to be true about him, but he used to at least be kind of fun, but now like on this new hype, he's just like on some very militant, very, you know, woe is me, black men in America, like just I, I didn't even recognize this person anymore. So he's asking me about doing the project and asking me how much I'm going to charge. And so, you know, I'm having to ask him some more questions in return so that I can give him a price quote. And so, you know, he's being really kind of abstract about it. And all I'm doing is trying to get some answers so I can answer your question. So then he ends up, you know, getting upset with me and, I'm like, whoa, whoa, brother, <laughs> what's going on with you? And I asked him, I said, what's, what, what's up with this very defensive way that you seem to be showing up in the world now? What's, what's up with this new response that I'm getting from you? What, what's going on? And I asked it just as gently as I did now. And immediately the conversation turned into, well, you know, you're a strong woman, and I feel like you talking at me. And what I want to know is if you was talking to a white man right now, immediately this conversation is over, brother. I got to go. I got to go. Because I was very clear about his new narrative. His new and, – and then – and I, like I said, I had I had found him on Instagram. So of course I'm kind of scrolling through his stuff or whatever, and I see this meme that he has on there talking about it's like comparing like old school women to new school women now, and you know apparently old school women understood that her place was to be subordinate to men, and she understood that that was her true power. And I'm just like, oh, man, brother, you poor, poor thing. And But I can remember there was a time in my own life where I would have taken that personally. I would have taken that as a personal offense to myself. But in my, in my, in my new understanding, what I'm very clear about is that brother is suffering. He is going through some things that I may not ever understand, and there's no need for me to take that personally. i got to let him deal with his demons on his own, but we got to be very clear about what these very poor, destructive, self-sabotaging narratives do to our psyches. And a lot of us make subscriptions to these narratives based on gender, 
based on race, based on things that that are, are solely mundane realities. Our spirits have no gender. So I, I wanted to bring those things up and, 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 and speak to them in this particular conversation because I think it's very important for us to be clear, you know, and I think a lot of times, especially in this conversation about polygamy, there's a lot of shaming that happens in this conversation. But I think it's very important to be clear that oftentimes that shaming, it, it, it comes from a place of of insecurity, that men have to deal with. Women have our own securities that we ourselves have to deal with, and I think they they get brought up and they get shaken a little bit, you know, now especially in this in this newer, more advanced society where we're opening up conversations, right? Amber Rose, you know, brought us to Slut, slut Walk. walk. <laughs> yeah. Amber Rose brought us to Slut Walk. But, again, my, my, my point is that we've got to be careful about the intention. What's the intention here? And, and let us be clear. You know, Noble talked, we've talked about it throughout the shows. A woman has masculine energy just as much as a man has feminine energy. Sometimes men are attracted to a woman's masculine energy, right? Sometimes a woman is attracted to a man's feminine energy. So let's not get caught up in this in this earthly illusion. Let's not get caught up in that. At the end of the day it's all about intention. We had a sister who called us last week on um Sunday when we did the part two for Libra and she was like, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a masculine sign. I'm attracted to really strong masculine men. However, you know, and then within that context I also find that Men can be intimidated by me. And I loved that, first of all, she was brave enough to even speak to that that ideology or that concept, right? But what it really highlighted was the reality that we live in. We like to we like to fit ourselves into these neat boxes. I'm a woman, so this is what I'm supposed to like. I'm supposed to like the color pink. I'm supposed to be able to cook and clean. I'm supposed to be able to do blah, blah, blah. <sighs> We gotta get real about the society that we live in. We gotta we gotta get real about our true, genuine nature as human beings. Sometimes women have a lot of masculine energy. Is that bad? No, it's what she was born with. It was the gift that God gave her. So of course that is naturally going to influence how she interacts with men because typically men because I would I would say that they've been a bit um uh, our our society has confused these roles and confused and, and, and manipulated a lot of our definitions. Men to a certain extent have been spoiled by, you know, a lot of these concepts, you know, men get, intim- get get offended or intimidated. You can't talk at me. You know, you better have a smile on your face when you corrected me about something, and you better not say you corrected me. You know, we've, we've got a lot of delusion going on here. But, you know, we, 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 we just got to get clear about our humanity, and we got to get really honest about it and stop hiding behind all these labels and definitions and all of this. BS and trauma. Um, 
at the end of the day, man is both, woman is both. Human beings, um, especially in the society that we live in, we're confused, we're conflicted. And so a lot of us are busy trying to fill these voids and fill these holes. And we are looking to an outside God to do it for us. We're looking for a mate to fill our voids, right? Uh, Some men are looking for multiple women to submit to him. And I would argue that that's because he himself has a lack of self-control. I talked about it in Aries. When we don't have the capacity to control ourselves, a lot of times we want to control other people. Don't get me started on the polygamy conversation. Um, and, and, and like I said earlier, I made the statement that patriarchy is gender racism. I would also argue that matriarchy is is, is gender racism. You know, God is in the middle. That's what I'm always saying. So, you know, us trying to, you know, pick sides and, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, the fact that earlier this week we had Women's Day or whatever the, the, the holiday was this week. And so what I see in that conversation is there's a lot of, especially in the so-called conscious black community, um, you know, there's this argument that conscious black women should not even participate in this concept of feminism because it separates us from our brothers, right? And, and I, again, you know, we're so obsessed with this competition. We're so obsessed with, you know, winning and who's going to be the loser and all of these things. But all of these, all of these ideas, all of these experiences, all of this trauma that we're experiencing as human beings, these things are simply mirrors for us to, for us to see and for God to be able to highlight the, the aspects within our within ourselves that need to be worked on, the aspects in ourselves that need to be improved. So these, this man versus woman conversation, oh, that, that conversation is internal. And as long as we delude ourselves and, and, and distract ourselves with this being an external conversation, we're going to find ourselves in a greater, deeper hell. And, and that's just the bottom line. You know, I was looking at a video earlier in the week, and it was talking about how white folks don't realize that they're racist, right? And so they were asking just, you know, different white folks on the street, you know, well, what do you think about, you know, do black people need uh uh better education systems, and you had all of these white people saying, you know, and in their, you know, considering themselves to be progressive or considering themselves to be liberal, they're making statements like, yeah, you know, because they don't have access to good food in their communities, and yes, because they don't have, you know, good schools in in their communities and all these different things. And by the end of it, the 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 video makes the statement these are all of the ways that white people are racist because basically they believe that uh, black people are uh, insufficient, right? We don't have enough of this. We need more of that, and somebody needs to give it to us, right? And I thought that was really interesting, and I said to myself, but you know what? That argument is the same thing that a lot of black folks would agree to. We need the government to step in on our behalf. We asking people to stop treating us a certain way rather than just demanding it or rather than not being so consumed with and concerned with what other people think about us and and concerning ourselves more deeply with 
what we think about ourselves. A friend of mine had made a post on Facebook or something like that saying, you know, he had gotten a group of people together to do do like a community cleanup. And, the you know, he posted in all of these pictures and then basically puts a caption that says, you know, since the city isn't doing anything about it, I guess we got to do it, do it ourselves. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's what you're supposed to do in the first place. Like, we get so deluded into thinking that somebody is doing something to us and then somebody else needs to step in and repair the situation. Not seeing the power within ourselves. Not seeing the, the capacity and the ability in ourselves to do for ourselves. Right, and, and and I got into this whole race thing because I'm 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 making the argument that patriarchy matriarchy is gender racism, right? So the same fear that we see in some white people about the concept of equality and cultural pride is very much similar to the fear that we see from men who are now facing the possibility of a matriarchal society. That gets really interesting. And I'm not saying that men don't face, you know, foul treatment in our society. I'm not saying that men don't get abused in our society. Men are sexually abused sometimes by women. Men are verbally abused, physically abused by women sometimes. And, And let's be clear, women cheat too. Like, I'm, I am not arguing that women are all, you know, sugars and berries and, and all divine and no bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. But look at this. Even in that same context, the idea of men being abused sexually, physically, whatever, typically when men have those experiences, oftentimes they equate those experiences with being treated like a woman. I can't talk about me being abused because that makes me feel like a bitch. So we got to get really clear about not only how we view each other, but the subscriptions and beliefs that we subscribe to about ourselves. Those are the things that oftentimes really determine our experience in this world. As long as we doing all of this finger pointing and all of this other kind of stuff, we confusing ourselves, we deluding ourselves. We are distracting ourselves, and we got to grow up. I'm sorry. We got time for questions still. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, um, man, I ain't going to even get started in that whole poly stuff, man, um, because it's, you can make whatever work that you want to work. Um, but I do find some interesting parallels in, in, inside of those things of comparison of how they work. Um, but nevertheless, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, there's another aspect of Scorpio that I ignored here, really, um, or this eighth house frequency that deals with joint finances. And it's it's really simple um, because here is when, because this is Scorpio is the, the polar opposite of Taurus, which is your personal finance. So here, this is where we're supposed to learn how to pool um, our finances together for the greater good. This is a sign, Scorpio, eighth house energy, that talks about um, what is going to be established uh, after I die. And that's a deep thought because this is wills. This is, you know, what we call wills and legacies. This is where, you know, you you create uh, who the beneficiary is of your estate. This is what you, you literally, when you're in this aspect, you're building 
knowing that you're not going to be here forever and that, you know, you got to have heirs to that particular throne. And the, that concept, that mental mindset that it takes knowing that you're building for someone else called, you know, the future generation or your, your children, their children, and things of that nature is a very, um, wow, man, it's just a very phenomenal thing to do. And, and this is why it plays into the the Scorpio loyalty thing so hard where it's the sign of they don't like manipulation or they don't like to be hurt because you, you're disloyal. It's because when that sign truly uh, business, we're creating success with one another. We're creating these things. And so it can transcend our physical, you know, our physical incarnation. So it can go to the children and grandchildren. It starts to set up generational wealth. That's not something to play with lightly. Mm-hmm. So to to go against that, to do something to jeopardize that relationship, this points to the psychology of why it is it is a known fact that Scorpio can't forgive or let things go once they feel betrayed, because they're willing to really share everything that they have with you. You see what I'm saying? So it goes beyond the sex. It goes to the point of business and setting up the estates as well. Um, I think that as collective humanity, and that's why, you know, if y'all know this, but I'm telling you, if it wasn't for Nick, I wouldn't even be on radio. Um, But my attention is now more to prosperity investment group. It's more about creating some tangible things down here on earth um, and not necessarily staying so much in this this knowledge. I was reading something from Donald Trump that was talking about. So this is Scorpio deals with knowledge, hidden knowledge at that. You know, imagination. Without you know, imagination. Um, without imagination, and 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 basically willpower, knowledge by itself ain't gonna do nothing for you. And that's real. You know what I mean? It's a lot of intellectual dialogue with no physical solutions, you know what I mean? If if the water messed up, then damn it, go get you some water and clean the water or do something about water. If you don't like modified, you know, GMO foods, then create your own garden and do your own food. If the housing situation is messed up, buy houses and flip houses. If, if there's a problem, there's a solution. And that's what Scorpio is. We're talking about death and rebirth on any level. So that that we don't like, which is a problem, that's the death scene. So automatically, by default, if you know what you don't like, you should know what you you do like. That's the solution. That's the rebirth. That's the Scorpio aspect of all of us that we got to get into is learning how to destroy or do away with the things that limit and bind us. Because Scorpio-Pluto energy is the energy that deals with binding it's 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 to a degree it's that one fish in a fish tank to eat the dookie, it, it, it because it deals with bowels and elimination like you spoke of earlier, <laughs> so it's the very bottom of the bottom. You know what I'm saying? But it's interesting because this is also like you said the phoenix, which is really Scorpio. Another another good one for Scorpio for real for real is the caterpillar and butterfly. You know what I'm saying? It's what happens when we truly understand this. So in the near future, um, for me, y'all, y'all, y'all really going to be seeing more of the tangible things because even with, with Scorpio, like the Toel Love Fund is a perfect example of what Scorpio is. We're talking about 
other people's resources, whereas every member who kicks in $13, and then we share those resources evenly, right, amongst members who participate and put in. So that's a joint resource thing. And this is a lot because Scorpio is the sign of power, literally. It is the sign of power. In fact, truth be told, Scorpio slash Pluto is the only cosmic force that can give the sun, when you understand the energies of zodiac archetypes, can give the sun, which is the life-generating principle in creation, a run for its money. Real talk. Little old Pluto is the one that will give this thing a nice run for its money. But we need to really understand the basic components of joining ourselves together. And, again, to, to just put that toil love on back in there, this is this is a, a perfect eighth house feature. But, see, that's me. That's why I told you all before, I got an eighth house stellum. A stellum means three or more planets in one location, right? It could be in the same zodiac sign or it can be in the same house when you look at your chart. So I'm a hella Aquarius. I got four planets deep in Aquarius, but three of those four I have in the eighth house, which is the house of the scorpion, which understands other people's money. So it... No, but we lost you. Let's let's take other people's money and we all contribute to one pot and then we'll make moves. You see what I'm saying? So y'all going to see something in the very near future, Prosperity Investment Group, that deals with that whole buy back the block campaign where I'm in a position where I'm in, I mean, a, a hella nice income market where the city give you property for 5000 6000 less than $10,000, literally five, $6,000, but you got a six-month window to fix it. So you probably got to dump thirty five in it tops. You spend forty thousand tops, but the, the the marketplace of these homes is going for seventy nine, ninety thousand dollars. You can easily make thirty thousand dollars in profit. Easy. You can buy lots right now for eighteen hundred dollars, but if you build, but you got to build on them, and your 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 build your completed structure has within a year's time. That's the stipulation for getting this lot for eighteen hundred if you're gonna build it from scratch. So so cheap, Nick, that you can lease it from the city for only ten dollars a year and put a garden on it. And the only thing you're paying them is ten dollars. But the city they'll keep the lot because they own it just in case somebody wanna come and develop it. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. But you can only pay ten dollars a year to have a garden on it and it's your community garden. And you set up your you know, your little community garden bylaws and do what you want to do with it and whatnot. So there's a lot of opportunity, like the Detroit markets and things like that. That is also Scorpio, ladies and gentlemen. Scorpio is really about how we come together and handle business. So it's not solely on the sexual aspect, so keep that in mind. Thanks. So if you got a question, press one. Um let me see, man. Let me see, let me see, let me see. The eye on this puppy, but yeah, I saw it. I don't want him stepping in no mud. But yeah, nobody got their hand up. You got a question? Press one. We got like 17 minutes left. You know what I mean? And come on, press one, man. Oh, you y'all, think y'all you know the little questions. Hold on, hold on, ladies. If you think you can have more than one sex partner, <laughs> I, raise your hand because you can't have that around here. How about that? Yeah, you can't do it. I just ain't saying nothing. Don't let them shame you. you. Right? 
And, and I wanted to make a comment about what you said, Noble, and, and and how Scorpio is dealing with how we join our resources, how we come together, right? And the last thing right. you said was that it's not always necessarily sexual. And I wanted to speak to that from personal experience, right, from the pers- from my own perspective, and that you are absolutely 100% right about that. Um, and, and I love that the way we deal with this thing, the way the priesthood deals with this thing, we, we're talking about solutions at the end of the day, right? For a lot of us, we've we've been taught how to deal with the disappointment. We've been taught how to deal with the anger and the trauma, and typically we're taught to just perpetuate more of it, right? We don't get taught to heal it. We don't get taught positive ways to really deal with that energy. And so I, I when I hear Noble start talking about this stuff, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. We've got to get into proactivity. We've got to get into solutions. And so speaking that to that from my own personal experience and, and you know, we, we dealing with um we're dealing with the children that we create. We're dealing with sex sex here in Scorpio. We're dealing with um what did you call it, Noble? Um Scorpio alchemical wedding. I love that, right? And so something we've got to get clear about is when we create children with another person, that contract is signed, sealed, and delivered, right? In our society, there's this very convenient concept idea of divorce. And divorce says we can sign, we can rip up this piece of paper, right? And everything is dissolved. We ain't got to deal with each other no more. I ain't got to look at you. I ain't got to see you no more. When children are involved, that is a very delusional idea, concept, reality to even prescribe to. It's dangerous, family. Um, and what what occurred to me um, when Noble said that was finding the finding the middle ground, finding the solution, right? And I, I've spoken to it a little bit about my partner and I, who we have a child together. Um, uh, and we under we we have been not lucky enough. We've been ma- mature enough to come to an agreement that says we're gonna put our weapons down. We're gonna put our differences to the side and focus on this this business deal we have called our daughter. And as we we've spoken to it time and time again throughout the series, you know. This thing, when we're talking about male-female relationships, sex is a is a convenient allegory to talk about, but sex is not always involved in the conversation. My partner and I work very well together at this point because we've chosen to find our common ground. We've chosen to partner with each other in a positive way. And that's not to say that, the drama wasn't there. That's not to say the anger wasn't there. That's not to say that we have not been at war with each other at times. But but pets on the back for us because we finally got to a point where we, we were able to say, you know what, I'm going to step outside of this deep, intense concern for, you know, uh, 
take an inventory of what I'm getting out of the relationship, right? You called me twice yesterday, I'm going to only call you twice today, right? We get into these very um, conflicting, very competitive um, relationships with each other that, that, are, that are ultimately destructive. Um, so I'm talking about solutions. Can we mature enough to figure out a solution for partnering, working together with each other after, you know, intimacy is no longer in the conversation, right? And, I, and I'm speaking to intimacy because oftentimes that is, you know, the, the, the thing that we're seeking to get out of the relationship, you know, and, and I see it especially with men, you know, I'm, I, you know, men sometimes can be like, well, you know, oh, I've heard it in the, in the child support arguments, right? Well, I ain't going to send her no money, uh, to, you know, take care of the baby because I don't know if she's going to go spend that money to get her nails done or I don't know if she's going to go spend that money, you know, for a cab so she can go on a date with another man. Petty, immature, destructive, Immature. We've gotta. We've really, really gotta grow up, y'all. And and by growing up, I, I mean, and especially in this conversation, talking about children being involved. Can we set aside our egos enough to collaborate for a common purpose? Not with agenda, agendas of, involved. Not with egos involved. Looking for well, what am I gonna get out of this? But simply doing a thing for the sake of the partnership, simply making a contribution for the sake of the greater good. And that's a question that that I think we have to be willing to ponder as adults and even getting into relationships. You know, Noble says, you know, we don't get into relationships, you know, with the intention of breaking up. But can we at least slow down enough in our relationships, especially before making the contract, especially before making the agreement to say, and Noble talks about it, the conflict resolution plan. That conflict resolution plan has also got to include a strategy for how things are going to be dealt with, you know, after the relation, the intimate part of the relationship is dissolved. Can we still be partners? Can we still agree to work with each other and 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 be and and it's not just about cordialness. I was getting ready to say to be cordial enough and I, I don't think it's about cordialness. Um it's really just about maturity. And I think if we can operate from that space where we we put ourselves to the side for a moment and put our children first or at least just put the relationship itself first because you know we got to remember when we get into these relationships you know before we figured out that this person was not going to you know serve our egos cuz that's what it's about a lot of times we stop loving each other when i feel like you've been unloyal to me right you made me feel insecure so i don't love you anymore but we got to remember that the relationship was initially built on an admiration for each other so solution orientation, having the plan set out and prepare for what's going to happen if this happens in the future and how are we going to deal with that. 
and I think this is a place that we've got to mature and really advance to in our society, and I think we can do that when we're willing to put the competition to the side. We got any questions yet, Noble? Yeah, absolutely, man. I think the Prime Minister, Mike, is open. He was only 1314 dropped off. But um, go go ahead, Jew. You on there. Call it from the 314 if you come back, if you want to press 1 because I don't see you no more. But go ahead. What up? What up? What up, Jim? What's up, man? Scorpio flow, man. You know, y'all, hey, I didn't catch the whole show today. Working on stuff for this for this for workshop next week. But, uh, man, Noble, did y'all touch on some of the juicy, juicy subject matter, man? <laughs> oh, man, you know, of course, this is up there. It's up there. It's, you know it's, what it's I'm at saying? the top. See, I got, see, you know, Nick, Nick said something, right, and uh, about this, the, the conscious circles of people, right? We're dealing with matriarchies and patriarchies and all this, right? But uh, when we just, like, how do we, see, sometimes this information get convoluted and then it get bent way out of shape. And then the Heavenly. people who pose to be conscious end up taking it somewhere where you can clearly see that they're not as sound as they may appear to be. I'll give you an example. We had this conversation before, Noble. Young lady. We, and, and matter of fact, I think we did we do a radio show with G before about this, or was it about something else? Might have been about soulmates or something. It was a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they had these notions. We talked to some women, and they like, now, these, this is some of the stuff that comes out from these type of conversations. That um, oh, <laughs> it doesn't matter who. No, I'm gonna say it, the beer. You, I shoot the arrow straight. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on man. Yeah, yeah. Make, hold on, hold on. Make sure you in the mic because you sound a little bit far away. But go ahead. Can you hear me now? There you go. Perfect. Right there. Right there. Okay. So. You had these are the, some of the conversations that spring up. They'll say, uh, "It doesn't matter who the baby's daddy is. Uh, we can raise the children collectively in a village full of women, and who cares if he gets in his feelings because she slept with this man and then she slept with that man, and so she got pregnant." And nobody knew, she doesn't even know who the baby's daddy is. She has a baby. And if the men inquire or make an inquiry and want to know, you know, is that my child, basically it's F you, nigga. You know what I mean? You don't need to know. That's not important. See, that's when it gets delusional and absolutely insane. Those are some of the pathways that people go down in these conversations in order to try to prove a point that on the, not even on the surface, but on both, the surface and at the depths, makes completely no sense. And this is how I always reverse the question, right? If you was in a hospital, right, and you gave birth to a child, and it was two other women in the hospital, who gave birth at the same time, and they took all y'all babies to the cleanup room to, you know, give them their eye exams or do whatever they do, how would you feel 
if you went into the room and it was three babies there and the doctor just said, now you never seen your child, baby straight out of the womb, and you go right in the room and the doctor says, all right, just pick one, any one of them, pick one. That's, it don't matter. <laughs> pick I'm, one. I'm going to speak to this. I'm listening up. Just pick one. <laughs> that's, that's you. How would you feel about that? If, you, if they said, hey, it's three babies right here. You never seen them. You don't know. And you just go in there and you just say, well, I just got to pick one of these babies. <laughs> explain mm-hmm. that to me. Somebody please explain that for, that line of logic to me. Go ahead, Nick. Defend that. My hand is talk, up. My hand is up. We're talking about a woman having more than go, one. Go ahead, Nick. Nick. Go ahead. My hand is up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I and I and I I agree and disagree with you, with what you're saying at the same time, June. So here here's here's what okay. I would say to that. If a woman goes into an agreement, and this is what tends to make our society uncomfortable, men don't want to think about being in an arrangement with other men. Straight up. It makes men uncomfortable to think about that. But let's, let's qualify this conversation. If a woman goes into a, a, an agreement with multiple men, and everybody, all the men involved know y'all, all my husbands, <laughs> that that part of the conversation to an ex- certain to a certain extent it becomes irrelevant because y'all all have made the agreement that we are going to have sex with this one woman and there's a possibility that she could impregnate by any one of us at any given time that's a part of the agreement you've made you understand that my okay, baby okay, wait, daddy maybe hold on hold on wait 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 all right come on let's go let's go hold on now, you're putting this into the context of a bunch of random babies inside of a hospital, and is a woman going to be okay with that? She didn't make an agreement with all of these other women in the hospital for us to group together and take care of somebody else's baby. Now, when I hear women, women defending the Let's make it clear. I never said that any of my stance was based upon an agreement, right? I never, well, I, 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 I never said. I, I'm, I'm looking at it right. from the polygyny argument. Okay. That's how I'm looking at it. Okay. Okay. Because that's what we were talking about, yeah? Okay, go ahead. So that's how I'm looking at that. Now, if, if you're saying that, um, is that the same thing as a man going into a relationship and he didn't know that his wife had multiple partners, absolutely he should be pissed off at her. That's not the agreement that you had. So I I agree with it on both sides. Now, on the flip side, I've heard women defending this very same argument. Oh, you know, um, uh, polygyny is a good idea, and we, you know, because one woman, she might know how to cook well, and this woman, she might be good at teaching the babies, and, you know, we can all together and we can all pitch in and help raise the babies together and it's one man's baby so we're all one big happy family. It's the same argument. I'm not saying that it does not work. It can work. But what I am speaking to is that there is a very prevalent discomfort that comes up for men, especially in the West, when having the conversation about polyandry. Most men are not comfortable with the idea of sharing a woman. However, however, 
they'll, they will willingly get on the bandwagon that says that women need to overcome their egos and share a man. But never, Jew, never have I heard a man who agrees with that argument agree with the flip side that says he needs to overcome his own ego and be willing to share his woman. It's a, it's a matter of conversation what, about possession. It, it, well, see, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. If we're going to strip it down to how things actually materialize as far as these circumstances, situations occur, when these conversations come up, see, like most men, right, that are sleeping with multiple women, it's not in the form of a contractual agreement with the quote-unquote main chick, right? This is something that's happening, you know, regularly as commonplace in this society, right? So I think where me and you have a uh, not a disagreement, but we're not. A, I'm not thinking along the same lines of as, as in a contractual thing. What I'm saying is, these type of conversations and examples are ones that are brought up in in the context of how things regularly go. Like like most men don't make contracts and still sleeping with multiple women, and then that's. The, that's how the conversation is being grafted. It's being grafted from that position, right? That oh well, a man can sleep with multiple women. It's, it, you, you you rarely hear it being brought up in the context of if, if did the did the other women or did his main woman agree with that? That's 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 mm-hmm. that's it's it's rare that that's the way that mm-hmm. the conversation is being you know brought into you know who, whoever's talking about it. So what I'm saying is. In that same respect, I've had her women say and use that and say, well, as an example, that, you know what, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter who the, who the baby daddy is. In the context yeah. of it wasn't an agreement. And I'm like, that's yeah. insane. Just, yeah. just for the sake to say that you want to sleep with multiple men and then come up with some bullshit new age idea about that's all right. If, if if I'm sleeping with five or six men, and then if I have a baby, it, he's he's in his ego. If uh, I don't tell him who the who the who the child father is, mm-hmm. that's insanity. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I don't think you can take you cannot take away a person's choice in in the in the relationship in the conversation whatever. You can't take away a person's choice. But speaking to it from the perspective of a contractual agreement, I think that totally makes sense. And and to speak to it from, from the perspective that you're saying, uh, Jew, I think that women typically have that response from a space of hurt, from a space of wanting to compete with men, needing to show that I'm just as valuable as you, I'm just as much as a human being as you. And it makes sense that women would um, – have these types of, of, of insecurities in our society. It makes total sense, right? So let me, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question too, Nick, right? Because let's just say it is contractual, right? Mm-hmm. Would you agree to that? Would you agree oh, with, me with five other women? Hold on, no, no, hold on, hold on. No, I'm, not about, I'm about not on the side of the man not knowing, right? On the side of the example that I gave in the hospital room, five different women have babies. Would you do you think that that's that that makes sense to do even if it was contractual? 
That's, that's what it, I'm saying. Assuming that it's so, not contractual. No, that makes absolutely no sense. No, well, I mean, no, if it, no. Now let's, I'm just going to ask you. If these women did agree to that, right? So now I'm asking you to give me your observation of what you think about that type of contractual agreement. Let's just say they do make that contract, right? You just mm-hmm. having an opinion on the situation. Do you think that that is uh do you think that that decision is one that's wrapped tight mentally for five <laughs> women to agree, right? That we all going to agree that we're going to get pregnant at the same time, have the babies around the same time, right? And then we just going we're not going to know who whose babies is whose and it's all right. That's that's perfectly fine. I could be nurturing your child, you could be nurturing my child, then that's perfectly fine. Me personally, you no. I'm not touching a situation like that with a 10-foot pole. Not doing it. Now, do I personally know women who have been convinced that they so deeply need to disassociate themselves with their ego and they should go into an agreement like that? Yes, I know plenty. Keep it totally, totally funky with you. And I think that that is delusional. I think it is also delusional for a woman to agree to go into a a, a situation with a bunch of other women and one man and everybody agree we're going to swap and share him and he can, you can, she, he can have you on Tuesdays, he can have me on Wednesday, and he has no obligation, no dolly. I'm on the radio still, baby. He has no obligation, he has no expectation to uh, be disciplined in his sexuality. However, all of the women in the situation are being asked to be disciplined in their sexuality because you got to wait till Tuesday when it's show day to get some sex. That, that's <laughs> also delusional to me. Straight up. See, you can't just fool me like that because I'm not afraid of being called a bitch. I'm not afraid of being called a hoe. I'm going to be honest. I'm on the side of truth at all times. So, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying, Jew. I, I do agree, from the, especially from the perspective of it's not contractual. We didn't go into this with, with the agreement. I don't believe that anybody has the right to take away somebody else's choice in the situation. I don't agree with that. And, 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 and you I want to say I, this. I want to put this on the record for the, for the people that's listening. Jew old school. Like, and, I don't, and I'm not saying that in a misogynistic way, but, like, I'm all for – Husband and wife, period. Like that's that's my stance. Like one husband, one wife. That's just how Jew roll. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Oh, Jew. It, it, huh? Go ahead. Oh. That's 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 Jew's stance. Like you know what I mean? That's just me. But then I, I'm just I just be having my own opinion about some of the commentary behind these conversations about matriarchy and patriarchy and polygamy and polygyny and all these different conversations. And it's just, it, you know, I guess it's healthy, man. People having conversations about alternative ways. Well, some people would consider it not alternative. Some people would say, oh, it's just the original way we should and always have been. So, you know, people going to always find some data to support whatever it is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I just, you know, I don't know. It just some Some of the stuff just be like, Way off the wall to me, though, man. No, I, I agree. Some of it. I agree. You know, and 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 to speak one more time to this 
we live in a patriarchal society. And I started speaking to this concept from the, the perspective of racism, right? And so, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, most white people, you ask them if they want to be treated the way that black people are treated in our society, hands down, hell no, right? Now, let's mm-hmm. look at it from the gender perspective. Most men, if you ask them if they want to be treated the way women are treated in our society, they will justify the way women are treated in our society. They will uh, uh, they will agree to it to a certain extent until you start talking about their daughters, and that become that becomes mm-hmm. very interesting because what it really highlights is the amount of ego that is actually present in that conversation. As much as they, especially the, the whole converse and the. the the polygamy conversation is completely lopsided. It's completely lopsided, and I, and I agree with you. You, I'm I only want one husband. But one thing, one thing that I've I've gotten to understand and gotten very clear about at this point in my life, I started speaking to a little bit earlier. Me and my partner, he gonna be the partner. He gonna be my partner for the rest of my life, and I'm gonna be his. I ain't going no damn where. We have mm-hmm. we have a, a business arrangement between the two of us. That business arrangement is our daughter. Now, if we're talking about a, 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 a intimate relationship, that's that's a different story. But what what I'm speaking to is because I used to get really stressed out about this whole polygamy argument, especially like ten years ago when I first started getting into my consciousness. This whole conversation mm-hmm. used to stress me out. And I never wanted, I, I, I used to be offended by even the prospect of a nigga getting at me crazy like that, right? <laughs> and, and what I had to learn was that not to address it from an emotional space. I get passionate about it because I understand that this is a conversation, and, and, and most women, many women that I know would agree with what I'm saying, but a lot of times women are afraid to speak to it because they don't want to be called names. They don't want to be considered to be a hoe. They don't want... Men who, to a certain extent, women have elevated to the level of God, right, because we think that God is a man. So women don't want to be judged in that way by men. And so this conversation used to stress me out. But now as I've, as I've lived a little bit more life, I've had my own daughter, something that I'm very clear about is the fact that if I get into another relationship tomorrow, with with a different man that is not my daughter's father, what he's going to have to understand is D. White is always going to be a part of my life. So you're going to have to accept him and me as a as a package deal to a certain extent. I'm not talking about intimacy. And you see, we're so immature. A lot of times we want to assume that intimacy is a part of the equation. That's not necessarily true. We got to grow up. You know, I've I've even seen men who, you know, encourage conflict between they woman and they ex, you know, husband or, you know, child's father because of their own level of insecurity and not wanting to deal with this one this man is familiar with my woman. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna encourage a sense of discord amongst the two of them so I can know that I don't have any sense of competition. I can, I won't even be able to deal with a man that even look like he might be thinking about encouraging some discord between me and my partner. Dwight is always going to be my partner. So to a certain extent, somebody might look at that as polygamistic. Right. 
right. again, hey, Nick, the but, conversation but, 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 does not always have to entail sex. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. But I'm going to ask us. I'm going to ask a sexual question. Right? Let me ask you this. Go for it. If would you, if you found out that your husband or your boyfriend slept around on you, would you leave him and never go back? Would you do that? Ten years ago, I would have said, "Hell yeah, I'm leaving him. I ain't never coming back." Do 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 do. I don't honestly, I don't think that way no more. If it well, becomes a habit, it's a problem. <laughs> but I do believe that human beings, we we do shit sometimes against our best in, interests. We sabotage ourselves as human beings. We have limitations around how happy we can be, and so we start acting up and acting crazy if we feel like we're getting too close to the border of being too happy. I'm very clear about that. As I grow and I mature, I I, I at least challenge myself to step outside Mm -hmm. of having an agenda in my relationship. And by agenda, what I mean is just being clear about there is nobody coming to save me. There is nobody mm-hmm. coming to fill these voids. The work is internal. So as long as I can mm-hmm. be detached from that expectation that, oh, he's supposed to make me feel good about myself. He's supposed to make me feel pretty. He's supposed to be loyal to me. I got to detach myself from that stuff. It's destructive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. okay. Hold on, I'm gonna add some I'm gonna add somebody to this call. Um hold on, hold on, let me get let me get a caller from the three oh one three two six. What's happening? Peace. Peace. Peace, peace. Hey, um I'm gonna ask a question. Um if I was looking at my birth chart, what would I be looking at for uh for love? Would that be where Leo is or would it be in the fifth house? Love, no man. I would really say this, but I would look. I would go look at Venus. I would look at the Moon, and I would look at more of the seventh house as well to get an idea of what, what the psychology is pointing to as far as relationships. It's kind of a factor. Uh, I would start right there. Where is Venus at? Where is the Moon at? And what's the sign on the seventh house cluster? Say DC. So start start right there, bro. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Thank you for your question. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Noble, I got a question, Noble. What do you do? You think that who unconditional love, right? Uh, Overall, <laughs> who? Who exhibits? Who exhibits unconditional love? Oh man, love? the zodiac sign that exhibits unconditional love without a shadow of a doubt goes to the Aquarian. <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt goes to the Aquarian, hands down. And and um, I, I would have to call it my my freedom fighters though, because unconditional deals with an aspect of freedom. Um, so I would have to say I would have to say Aquarius. Um I would have to go Jimmy. I got I gotta put Gemini up in there. Um I definitely gotta roll with you know, to a degree for real for real too. Um Pisces on another level though. 
you know what I'm saying, Pisces is willing to uh, die and sacrifice themselves so for you to be, you know, for you to live. It's, 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 a, it's a Jesus Christ syndrome with, with a truly elevated Pisces and whatnot. So they, they got a different aspect of, of how that thing go. And um, potentially Sagittarius uh, on a freedom aspect. Everybody else to a degree got some clinginess to them that, that needs some form of partnership to, 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 to keep going, man. Um, but I'm, I'm going to say hands down Aquarius because it's an unorthodox sign. We're in that age now where, you know, it's, it's Aquarius is a weirdo, man. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's weird. So everything goes, you know what I'm saying, where, you know, it's not about the tradition. So since it's unconventional, you know what I'm saying, I, I'm going to have to rock with Aquarius on this one, man. The second place I definitely would have to say, I'm going to have to go with Jimmy. Yeah. Do, do do you guys think that uh, because of this age that we're in, moving away from conventional relationships, do you think that's going to hurt humanity down the line? Um, or and, and if not, what are some of the benefits to these unconventional relationships that we see um, exhibiting themselves in the world today? It's, it basically what I'm saying is, is is it a can our ability to choose, right, to make a decision, can that sometimes outweigh what appears to be the natural flow of things? Is it is it a is it a limit of how far we can go with our um with our ability to choose that will eventually have a negative effect uh on us as a population, or or is the creative force, or what people call God, or whatever you want to call it, is it so adaptable that it will create a situation uh, to to um, to adjust to the new way of life, to adjust to the new way of living? And that's a, that's a question I, I just want to throw out there. Go ahead, Nick. Um, it's, I think I hear you asking, can choice be a hindrance? Um, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, we, we've talked about it on the show. You can live from, solely from your carnal existence. You can do that. Is it the best idea? Is it the most, uh... Elevating choice? No, not necessarily. When I think about it from the perspective of sexuality, I, I think I think it can be liberating. But you know, as I always say, God is God is in the middle. I, I tend to think that um, the extremities are are the things that cause trouble and conflict because the 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 universe always seems to want to get us back into the middle somewhere. So not being so clung to a specific idea that we're just, we can't even adjust within a particular concept. Um, it, I think I think choice can definitely be a hindrance. I, what I was going to say is thinking about it from the perspective of sexuality. Like, I mean, Especially with the society that we live in now, you know, people is into like 
bestiality, right? You can have sex with an animal, but I don't think that's a good idea, and I don't think that's the intention of the the creator. Um, So I think to a certain extent choice can it can lead us down the rabbit hole. Um, we get confused, I think, a lot of times because we think that for it to mean that we cannot do something, then that means there has to be an immediate, you know, um, I got to die. If, if, if this was the wrong thing for me to do, then God need to strike me dead right away after it's over, you know, and then we get confused because I keep having the choice of doing it over and over and over again. Um, and so from to, to that extent, I think choice can be a hindrance to us. Um, but I do find at the same time that we, we learn from our mistakes, we learn from our failures. So I, I also, at the same time, would not argue that you know choice is a bad thing or that choice should not exist. Mm-hmm. Right, for sure, mm-hmm. man. You know, um, man, absolutely, man. You know, the thing is, you can, you can, you know, you can use fire to light a house, or we can burn this whole thing down, meaning the whole earth without a shadow of a doubt. So choices become. You know, they, they, they become they become destructive and they become constructive and it's it's a typical Scorpio thing because even when we go to the when we go to the extreme, because Scorpio is the sign of extremes. When you go to the extreme, um, if you destroy something, then it's just a matter of quote unquote what we say time before something else comes and to rebuild itself all over again. So to a degree it becomes this natural order of building and destroy. But this is where conscious choice trumps the whole thing because we got we got the ability to create whatever we want to create as individuals and a collective humanity. Remember I remember you shared something to me where Yogananda was talking about, you know, one day man to understand that it is our sick thoughts and our own our own, you know, emotional turbulence that creates uh quote unquote these violent acts of nature, severe earthquakes and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And me and you definitely know from dealing with this, you know, the the you know, we got this ability where we don't even share this with the public no more unless you follow us on one of our specific uh social medias. But um, you know, these things called Mike Brown, the Boston Marathon bombing, the Paris attacks, the missing Malaysia airplane, um, the you know, the, the the death of Mandela, uh, which is a famous person, um, uh, political assassinations in the sense, um, these big earthquakes eight point in the Solomon Islands and these school shootings that take place or these horrific police killings, the ones that get you on national news and make you go protest, all of these are operating based off of the sick thoughts of humanity, and we have been able for the last three years, we have been publishing the exact day when you're going to see these precise events by the name. And we're going to tell you the exact day it's going to happen on, and it happens on those precise days. And so all of this, you know, when we say that one day we got to evolve to the point of understanding consciousness is the one that's doing this because to a degree, especially when it comes to the man-made events such as the 9-11s and things of that type of nature, when man goes on this shooting rampage or something, 
where did he get this idea from? And how did we know? See, this is the question that we got to get to, because if we're telling you without a shadow of a doubt, we can tell you the, the next day that this horrible event is going to happen or in the future. And let's go up for the next 200 years. The person that's going to carry out this event on this precise day, this person ain't even in the flesh yet. They're not even born yet. So we got to really look at what we're really dealing with here, and we're really dealing with the fabric of this invisible force called consciousness and whatnot. And so, you know, it's destructive and it's constructive, but we got the ability to build, um, you know, that we got ability to build a rainbow bridge on Earth, rainbow bridge simply meaning where you can have global unity if we just made it the world objective. You know, the, the problem is to a degree is just, the information hasn't been presented, and certain people just ain't stepped up to the threshold. And rightfully so, I understand that because of the fear factor of the repercussions. But the United Nations and in the, in the New World Order is really talking about the collective consciousness of humanity stabilizing the entire Earth based off of their physical practice and based off their mental diets as well. But, yeah, it's, it's a yes and no. It's a double-edged sword, man. It's typical Gemini, you know what I mean? It's, it, on one sense, it's Cain, and then on the other side, it's Abel with these thoughts. Man, that's it, man. I just wanted to come in and chime in real quick, man. I know y'all was on Scorpio, one of the most interesting Zodiacal signs, very, very um, talented to say the least, uh, you know. And so I just want to chime in real quick, man. But I'm a, I'm a bow out, man. Y'all can take some other callers, man. I know some people might got some questions. Appreciate. Uh, that was it. Uh, that was it, man. Man, join us, man. That, that was really it, man. We do the succession of how we close out, and you know, I'm gonna say. Um, you know, join me for the webinar, man. It's upcoming Sunday, man. Tom goes up an hour. Advance your consciousness, man. Come rock with me when it comes to the cosmos, man. I'm pretty good at this and, and, and showing you the truth of this reality. So come to the webinars on myastrologycoach.com. Just go to the events tab. Go to webinars, man, talking about the cosmic illusion. And going to get into a host of things. But most importantly, besides just unveiling the truth about this place, um, a, a pretty dope meditation to get into when you understand what, cosmically speaking, in, in, in a zodiacal chart, which translates to your physical life, uh, what creates opposition and this friction. There's a way to observe that chart in this whole entire solar system from a perspective where it negates and minimizes uh, no negative energy can be in opposition to you. And it's all based upon observation. And, and this, this is it's going to be dope. It's going to be phenomenal, man. So come on over to the webinar Sunday, 12 noon Eastern. Just go to myastrologycoach.com, click on the events tab. Like I said earlier, too, if you want to sense about Vegas and you know you can make it, hey, make it, man, because I tell, I tell you, every time a person uh, is on the fence like that, they almost get a divine sign. And one of the best blessings, my favorite blessings is when a person sign up, as soon as they do, it's like, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe this. I got a check in the mail out of the blue. I don't even know why it came to me. Or the person said they weren't going to give me no money, and they didn't even tell me they was giving it to me, but it just showed up. There's some type of divine confirmation that shows up that you're on the path. And when I say um, the priesthood got life around us all on the line, man, and everybody that participates, 
you got to understand that there's a, a vortex of energy because people are thinking alike. And it's no different than having a football team, a basketball team, a country club, or whatever, where people are on the same thing, on the same thing, same concept, and they get the goal. You know, they carry a certain energy, a collective resonance with each other, and they get certain things done. So when it comes to the spiritual laws manifesting into physical form, that's one thing that I love that we pride ourselves on is how do you make it tangible, how do you make it applicable, and how do you make it translate into physicality to improve the physical conditions of your life. You see what I'm saying? So join us in Las Vegas, man. We're there uh, next weekend, March the 18th, Saturday. You can go to the website, myastrologycoach.com, click on the events tab, and you're going to see it under retreats and whatnot. And um, that's it for me, man. Give it to the prime minister. Then we do what we do. Give it to Nick. We out. Uh, look, visit the website, myastrologycoach.com. Visit the website, theimaginationguru.com. Um, you know, the membership over at theimaginationguru.com is pumping out some great work. Uh, for people who are dedicated and really, really into the practice, they get the results. So if you're a person that can sit down and get focused and get into your repetition and get into the internal man or internal woman and activate, um, it's the perfect membership for you. A lot of things are happening, great things, and there's many more great things coming out of that membership moving forward uh, that we have planned for the people. Also, uh, you know, we got... uh, Summer Solstice coming up, January 24th. We're having an appreciation dinner. Uh, we're going to be at the Doubletree uh, Hotel, uh, Philadelphia Airport. That way you can come in. You ain't got to be moving around. You can catch the shuttle, get to the location. We're going to have a dinner Saturday, the 24th of June, uh, from 4 to 9 o'clock. We're going to be passing out certificates, awards, um, having some dialogue with the people. Uh, it's going to be beautiful, you know what I mean? Uh, dishes of all sorts. We know we got some people that are vegan, so we're going to have some stuff available for those folks, um, as well as some other things. So it's going to be beautiful. If you can make it out to Philly, June 24th, be there. We would love to see you in the building. Um, you know, it's for all the years of support, man. We got some people that have been rocking with us since 2011, 2012, 12 Love Fund members. Uh, we got some exceptional people in these memberships who've been doing some phenomenal work. The people who stepped up to the plate, Nikki being one, Coley Cole being another, Kemet being another, Carol being another, people who step up to the plate, Asia being another, people who step up to the plate uh, and really wholeheartedly take this thing by the horns uh, to create something for themselves and spread their light to the world to lift other people up. So it's going to be phenomenal if you can make it be there. Visit the site, myastrologycoach.com, under events, first annual appreciation dinner, Philadelphia. Um that's it for me, man. Cool. Um, I wanted to speak to, um, I got an email earlier in the week, and somebody asked me if I'm really a part of uh, the priesthood membership, and I wanted to answer that question <laughs> on here. Absolutely. Okay. I have been a, I have been a member of the quantum imaging group for about a year and a half now. I'm working on my third goal. I do not advocate this stuff just because I'm on the air with these brothers. As a matter of fact, me getting on air has been, uh, and doing this side of the work has been just a, a, a product of me getting into the membership and me doing my work. Um, I wanted to share, uh, yes, 
I, I'm actually a part of these memberships. I actually do wholeheartedly and genuinely advocate, support, um, join, get into the Quanta membership. Um, check out some of the other services um, that are offered um, because they will um, impact your life. I, I can speak firsthand and give my own testimony to the fact that this information will, in fact, if you apply it, if you do your work, if you do your part of it, it will improve the quality of your life. I discovered Minister Jew first before I even got introduced to Noble Ampoo, and I heard Jew on uh, on YouTube, on Black Magic, and was blown the freak away. And from that point on, I went out to find everything that I could. Well, at first, I just only knew about Minister Jew, so I'm on YouTube searching everything I could, trying to find every possible lecture. And I think at that point in time, because this was like 2014, at that point, Jew only had maybe like two or three lectures on YouTube. And I didn't care. I just listened to them same two or three lectures every single day over and over and over and over again. And by applying those methods, by applying those techniques, I, I no bullshit, family. This information has changed the, the very quality of my life, which is what inspired me um, to, to, to do some more research and, and find, and I ended up finding the memberships and, and joined right away. I didn't have no question, no hesitation about it because I had already experienced um the impact um the impact of and and the the improvement in the quality of my life so i had absolutely no hesitation about that um and as usual family y'all can find me on youtube nikki builder y'all going to see some new content up there um within the next couple of days in addition to that check me out doing my day job nikki d nova collection dot big cartel dot com and we will see y'all next week family for sagittarius have a wonderful Peace, y'all. Peace. Peace.